Welcome to Build Your Thing, the podcast where we help content creators find their unique creative voice, monetize their work, and build their tribe of loyal fans. I'm your host, Matt Jero, and today is a special episode, as almost every week. But why do I say that? Because in today's episode, we are going to walk you through the exact process on how to actually build your business as a creator like a pro. And why do I say we? Because in today's episode, I am happy to welcome Darren Smith. So Darren Smith is a content creator. He's a filmmaker. He's actually doing a lot of stuff. But the thing is that he primarily helps content creators go from five to six figures. And in today's episode, we are not only going to walk you through um, the different techniques or taxes that you can use, but we are doing something more important than that, is actually teaching you the mindset and teaching you how you have to think in order to get where do you want to go. So I'm really excited because like this episode, yes, it's pretty long, but you're going to get a lot of value out of it. And yeah, with that being said, welcome Darren to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited because, like, um, as, I, as I told you on Twitter, like, um, your autoresponder sequence or your welcome series, if you prefer, is one of the best I actually read in the past couple of months. So, yeah, I'm really excited to have you here. Oh, man, that's so good to hear. It, when you write those, you kind of write them in a vacuum and exactly. you put them out on the internet and you don't really get feedback unless people hit reply, you know? So hearing you say that um, made my day for one. And I was like, okay, I need to know who this Matt guy is. We need to talk further. <laughs> so I'm glad we get this chance to chat. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Like, you know, it's like like you're just writing an email and then, uh, you know, it, it like impacts people's lives. And I think that this is why we are both doing what we are doing. It's like, you know, that like with just one piece of content, you can actually impact people's lives. So this is like the great thing in, in actually being a creator, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So Darren, um, like there are so many things that we can talk about, but I know that you actually wrote a great book, uh, Craftsman Creative. And yeah. yeah, like I would, I would really like to walk us actually through all the lessons that you've learned because you have been actually a, an entrepreneur for the last 15 years. So you learned a lot and like there are a lot of nuggets of wisdom in this book. So yeah. Yeah. Well, to go through all of the lessons would take days, but I'll, I'll try to compress some of the most important ones. Uh, for the listeners here. So yeah, I started, uh, I mean, I've been a creative person my whole life. Um, I, the Probably the first like creative business, if you can call it that, I started in high school. I was in a, a jazz combo band and we started playing gigs and we would do like, I, we, I remember we played the opening of a Winco Foods when I was in high school and we all made 50 bucks and it was amazing, right? And I was like, okay, that set me on the path of like, you can make money as an artist or a creative person. So I went to school uh, to university and did a degree in um, film and sound recording technology. I started my own business while I was in college and was making like 35,000 a year as a single college student, still going to school. Um, and that was like 2005, six, seven. So yeah, it's been a good 15, 17 years now that I've been a full-time creative owning my own business. But here's the thing, like for the first 12 or 13 years of that journey, 
I was a freelancer or a contractor. And so I was trading my time for dollars. And the only way really to make more money was to either work more hours per week, which there's a limit to. And the second option is I could charge more money. And so I chose to do that. So over time, I went from starting out, I was charging $25 an hour, then bumped it to $35 an hour, and then 50, then 100, then 150. And so there's also a cap to that, right? Like there's only so much that you could charge until you really get into that um, really like high end market for freelancing. You know, now I can charge you $1,500 to $2,500 a day as a film producer. But even that is kind of like the higher end of what I can charge as an independent producer living in Utah, right? So what I realized um, last year, so it was like, a 12-year journey of trying to become a feature film producer. That's what I've really been trying to do the last like 15 years of my life. And I started that in 2009, so I guess it's like 13 years, right? And the first feature film I did was last year in April, May of last year, 2021. So I started in 2009, took 12 years to produce the first feature. So there's a lesson in there about like just sticking around long enough for things to actually happen is an important principle. But what happened was I realized after doing that first feature, which was an amazing experience, a dream come true. I was producing with an incredible team of um, cinematographer and crew people and actors and everything was just amazing. And I got the to the end of that and realized, my goodness, I just worked 80, 90 hour weeks for like eight weeks straight, four or five weeks of that. I was gone. I was away from my family. I have an amazing wife and three young boys. They're eight, nine and 11. I'm like, I don't actually like being away from home 80 or 90 hours a week and four weeks at a time. And what I realized is if I kept the freelancer mentality the only way I was going to have a nice like six figure revenue from producing movies was to do four or five movies a year at that rate, which meant I would be gone, you know, five or six months of the year. And I would be working 80 hour weeks for like most of the year. And it was not the lifestyle I wanted. So it was last summer after shooting that movie that I realized, okay, I need to make some changes to how I structure my business and how I approach making money as a creative person. And that's where the book and the idea for Craftsman Creative came from. Now, Craftsman Creative existed before that as an online course platform, but it was last summer where I made the decision, I want to be kind of a content entrepreneur. I want to have my own personal enterprise as Brian Clark from Copy Blogger calls it. And I wanted to be able to have revenue that came from content and products that I was creating that would, you know, pay me money while I was sleeping or make money when I was out doing something else. So that's where the idea for the book came from. And that process that I'd gone through over the last few years of like wanting to become a content entrepreneur and not just a freelancer to have digital products, to have um, coaching and book and community and courses and all those kind of things so that I had multiple revenue streams and didn't have to rely a hundred percent on my freelancing income as a producer. Wow. That's, uh, that's awesome. So you really went like, um, a long path to actually, you know, start realizing that, well, like the thing that have, that you have been chasing for so many years, um, like wasn't maybe like the kind of thing that you imagined, right? Yeah, it was 
not not really a rude awakening. It was more of just an eye-opening experience of, oh, I, this is what I signed up for. This is what I've been working hard for and dreaming of for years. And it's not exactly what I thought it would be. Um, and so I, rather than abandoning it, because I love producing movies, I did another one back in February of this year, and I'm doing another one in two months. I'm actually going to South Africa to produce a movie. So like, it's an amazing opportunity and amazing lifestyle, um, but it's not what I wanted to be doing 100% of the time. It's also risky because what if I get injured or what if something happens and I don't get calls anymore? You know, like I'm, it's, I was too dependent on the marketplace and on everything falling into place perfectly. It felt risky to just have a single revenue stream. So that was part of the desire to kind of branch out to make it more of a sustainable, resilient business that wasn't so reliant on one thing. Because when the pandemic hit in March of 2020, I was working as a senior producer on a TV show. And overnight, we went from, hey, we're producing this season, you know, mid-April to, hey, you're furloughed for the next four months. We hope to see you in August, right? And that happened overnight, as it did for most people that are in creative industries. Our industries shut down overnight. Events were gone. Gigs were gone. Travel was gone. Everything stopped. And I realized how risky it was to have a single revenue stream or a single client at that point represent 80% of my income, I said, I can't do that anymore. I need the producing to be 20 to 50% of my income. And I need to have that other 50% come from digital products and coaching and community and other revenue streams that were less dependent on the economy being, you know, open and a, a pandemic being able to shut it all down. Yeah, my, it's uh, really scary. So, like, I just try to, you know, to um, to understand, like, the situation that, that you were in. So, um, like, how do you actually ma ma make the shift? So, well, you understood that, well, you just have to find something else. So, how did you get started? Yeah, for me, it was about making the decision of what vehicle am I going to use to become this content entrepreneur business. And here's what I mean by that. Um, what is better, Matt, a Ferrari or a Ford F-150? Which car is better? It, it all depends on the pilot. Exactly. It also depends on what you're going to do with that vehicle. Now, if you want to race around a track, obviously the Ferrari is a better vehicle. It's built for that purpose. But you would never want to tow a $5,000 trailer across the country and do a road trip with your family using a Ferrari. It just makes no sense whatsoever. So the very first decision was choosing the vehicle that I was going to use to create this content enterprise business. And so the vehicle that I chose was a book because I'd written online for over a decade. I'd had a number of blogs. I'd tried Medium. I'd done you know, newsletters and email and all this stuff for over a decade. I mean, I signed up for ConvertKit in 2013 when he, when Nathan Barry, the founder of ConvertKit launched it to his email list. Um, my first book I wrote, I think in 2013 or 2014. So it's been nearly a decade that I've been doing this stuff, but I never turned it into a business. Um, it was just like an out, an outlet that I was using for my creative side. So what I chose to do was really take the, the skill set that I had of writing online and turn it into a book. 
because instead of just being a blog or just being a newsletter, now it became a product. And the amazing thing about a book is that it is a business card on steroids. It provides so many more opportunities than just having a blog or a newsletter. So the thought was, what if I wrote this book in public? It would do a number of things and this vehicle would almost be supercharged. So by writing in public, what I did was I went on Twitter, I announced that I was working on a book and I was going to write it in public. And then every day that I worked on the book, I would just add another tweet to that thread on Twitter. And what started to happen was this compounding effect. So by day 25, people saw that I was legitimately writing a book. I had 15 or 20 chapters written at that point. I was showing up every day and doing the work and writing in public. And so it got the attention of people. And all of a sudden, people started sharing my blog posts, which never happened before. But now that they were part of a book, you know, this vehicle, like I said, was supercharged. And so it was like having these effects that never had happened before with my blogs and my other writing. People were sharing it in their newsletters. They were retweeting my chapters. My audience was growing. My email list was growing. And so this book became such a great vehicle to go from like zero to one in the creator economy and to create this creative enterprise because it had all of these extra things that just happened because it was a book and not just a blog or a newsletter. For whatever reason, even though it's the same writing or the same amount of words on a page, People think it's more impressive that it's a book rather than just a newsletter or a blog. Mm -hmm. And so in the course of writing that book, I added 250 people to my newsletter, to a segment of my newsletter that were interested in the book. I doubled nearly, yeah, I think nearly doubled now my Twitter following. Like, and the amount of people that I've been able to connect with that have 10, 20, 50, 100,000 followers that now I can have on my podcast or be featured in their newsletter or go to events and meet them in person because they know who I am. It's crazy. So to answer your question again, like more briefly, I think the very first thing is figuring out where you are, where you want to go and the vehicle you're going to choose to get there. And that is such an important, all, I mean, all three of those are very important decisions, but the vehicle is so important because if I had chosen a YouTube channel, I don't think it would have had the same effect because th of, that would have just been a video. And trying to get people off of Twitter or off of Facebook onto a YouTube thing is really hard. And it wouldn't have compounded in the same way because I w it wouldn't have had the same effect as like writing a blog as a chapter of a book. You can put that in a newsletter. Other people could share it. Like all these things happen because it was a book rather than a video series, right? Um, so the vehicle is an important choice. Understanding where you are is also an important choice <laughs> and where you want to go is an extremely important choice because if you're just going to say, oh, I want to start a newsletter, but you have no idea where you're trying to go with it, then you, you might end up just kind of going in circles or driving off a cliff, <laughs> right? So that clarity around where you are, where you want to go, the route you're going to take to get there, the vehicle you're going to choose that's where to start. Okay, so that's so like you dropped a lot of things here. So let me just go back a little Sorry, bit. I, so I get verbose at times. <laughs> yeah. So 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 the thing is that okay. So you decided okay, I'm going to write a book. But um, what was like actually the the thought process behind like was the book like just um, a vehicle for you to get eyeballs on your content or was it just um, like 
did you had like any other thoughts when it came to to the book and the second question is that um you didn't really did you start from zero like um i mean let's assume that i just want to start out r right now and i'm just going to create a twitter account or i have a twitter account with 20 people so actually i guess i have 52 people i guess on my twitter account like if i'm going just to start a thread well look i'm i'm just writing a book i mean to be honest i think that nobody will really care about so how do you um yeah so please answer or give me your thoughts about uh, on this yeah so the first question of like why the book right um mm -hmm. the the reality was that i needed more awareness the thing that i lacked as a creator was enough people knowing that I even existed. And I think that is a bigger problem that most creatives have than like a product problem. Most creative people can create anytime, right? You can write things, you can paint things, you can record music, you can do a video. Like that's not the hard part. So the reason that our businesses are not taking off is not a product problem. It's not even a skill problem. It's the fact that you have an awareness problem. And that's what I had in that moment. This is where I found myself last summer. You know, I had about a thousand people on my email list, but they were scattered across people who had purchased courses on my site, people from old email lists or old email sequences and new people. And so it wasn't a very, um, very thought out strategy. It was just kind of a hodgepodge of a thousand people that I'd accumulated 15 years of writing. So I felt like I was starting from zero. And the thing that I realized I needed more than anything else was awareness. That's why I chose the book because I knew at least I had this hypothesis that a book was impressive to people. It was something I could do consistently. The reason, the other reason I didn't do video is that takes a lot of time to create. Whereas a book, I mean, writing a thousand or 1200 words takes me 30 minutes and then to publish it, I didn't even edit those first drafts of the book. You know, you can go to blog.craftsandcreative.co and you can read the book for free, but it's all the first drafts of each chapter. I mean, I didn't e even edit those. I didn't even go back to the top and reread it sometimes because I was out of time. I had 20 or 30 minutes to write that day. So I would write a thousand words and hit publish knowing that I was going to edit it later and work with an editor and go through a whole rewrite before I published the book. So it was a conscious decision to do a book because I felt like that was going to give me the best chance of getting awareness. And it really worked. Like I said, people picked it up, shared it in their newsletter, retweeted it, um, invited me on podcasts, invited me on Twitter spaces to talk about it. So it was a great vehicle to get the awareness that I felt like I needed um, because that was the thing I lacked most was people knowing that I even existed, that I was making this thing. So, you know, what happened, I, I haven't gone and looked in a while, but like that for a long time, that thread was my pinned tweet on Twitter. And it ended up with like, I don't know, 700 likes and hundred retweets and like crazy amount of reach. Um, one thing. So I don't know, I can look it up or you can post a link in the, in the show notes, but, um, it was crazy because, but it was a strategic thing. I needed awareness. I used this one channel on Twitter. I wasn't doing it on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or LinkedIn anywhere else. I just picked Twitter because it's a writer's medium really. And I knew I just had this feeling like it was going to work and it really did. So 
to answer your question, your second question, did I start from zero? Yes and no, right? Like um, I do have 15, 16 years of experience doing creative work at a professional level. And I've been making a full-time living, even if that meant $35,000 when I was a, a single college student, all the way up to making, you know, six figures now with a, as a producer and a business owner. Um, I've made a full-time living at this creative thing since 2007. So I, I wasn't starting from zero in that regard, but I really did feel like I was starting from zero when it came to my audience and awareness. And so even though I had about 800 or a thousand followers on Twitter at the time, that was accumulated over 12 years. I probably half of them or more were bots or businesses that followed me at some point to try to get me to buy their thing. So I treated it as if I had was starting from zero. And I took the approach of, okay, I don't have the benefit of like a hundred or a thousand people are going to see everything I'm putting out there. I need to manually go find people who I think are going to benefit from this content. So that's what I did. You know, I was posting every day and tweeting every day, but I was also spending a lot of time messaging people, connecting with people in, in DMs on Twitter, um, telling people, you know, I'd love to connect. I'd love to have you on my podcast. I kind of spun the podcast back up. So I had a, another vehicle that allowed me the to reach the goal of connecting with people on a deeper level than just in DMs or in comments on Twitter. So I treated it as if I was starting from zero. And I think that helped a lot because it made me take it seriously. I didn't take anything for granted. And I realized I had to show up every day as if I'm starting from zero and no one's going to see this stuff unless I go out and kind of do the work and show up and build in public and make connections with people. And it's only now started to take off really in the last month or so. So maybe eight or nine months in where people are discovering me without me discovering them first or reaching out to them first. People are finding me saying, hey, so-and-so told me about your book, or I heard you on so-and-so's podcast, or you were mentioned in this newsletter. And so it's only like eight, nine months in that I feel like it's starting to take off where it's starting, this flywheel is starting to spin on its own as opposed to me having to push and worked for every single rotation of it. Yeah, so it's kind of, you just start getting some you know some benefits or some results from the compound effect right so at the beginning mm -hmm. put in a lot of work don't see any results and yeah i mean you just have to push through it and like you're just like this is like a huge lesson for everyone who's listening and and just has the feeling that nobody's listening to them or um you know they, that they are not making any progress like it just it's just the way it is it's, it's just the the path or let's say the hurdles that you have to overcome if you if you really want to 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 succeed so there is like no shortcut <laughs> so there is like a saying that i that I like to 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 say it's like the shortcut is that there is no shortcut very very true a lot of it is just being consistent showing up every day doing the work <laughs> yeah exactly so the thing is um well you wrote a book but i think that we missed the part here and the part is um, how did you know actually what you're going to write about? Like, what about all this picking your niche, finding like the audience that you want to serve? I think that we missed like a, a huge component here. Yeah. Um, I love talking about this stuff because it's so important. And a lot of people shy away from the, you know, find your niche or, or define your niche 
conversation because they think it's going to limit them in their potential and the opportunities they could have. And honestly, it's the opposite, especially when you're starting out. If you can specifically define your niche very clearly, it helps you with your messaging. It helps you with your content. It helps you with um, discovering the people that you want to serve. All of those things become so much easier. And then as you grow, your niche naturally will expand to reach other people. But that expansion happens so much sooner and it takes place so much faster because you did the work early on to define your niche. Now, one important thing to realize is that you want to define your niche based on psychographics, not demographics. So desires, not def- not definition, right? What I mean by that is, you know, I don't want just creators in my audience. I would love to reach every creator. All of us would, right? But when I went and defined my niche, it wasn't creators because that is such a huge range. I mean, someone who like lays concrete in front of multi-million dollar houses might consider th- themselves a creator, but a lot of my stuff is for digital creators or people who are online or using social media or using their blog and newsletter and email list and stuff like that. I don't know that I have a ton of uh, value for someone who's like laying concrete at multi-million dollar homes. That's a random weird example. But I also, you know, I have people in my audience that are really into Web3 and NFTs. Not mo- Most of my content is not in that regard to help them. There's principles and frameworks they can use, but it's not specifically targeted to them, right? So I can't just say creators. I can't, I can't even say creators between the age of 24 and 45 who live in the United States or are in, in English speaking countries. And uh, like, that's not enough to, to have an actual niche that you could use to grow your business. So instead of defining their characteristics, you want to look at what are their, what's called psychographics. What are their desires, their pains, the, the things they want, the outcomes that they care about. And when you shift from demographics to psychographics, what happens is now you understand how you can help them, how you can provide value. So what you're doing is you're saying, the people I want to serve all have this same desire. For me, it was I knew that I wanted to serve creators and artists and entrepreneurs that were had been doing this work for a number of years, but had kind of reached a ceiling in their earning where they were earning like five figures a year. That could be 20,000 or 40,000 or even like 85 or 90,000, but they never cracked the six figure mark. And so what that meant is they kind of reached the ceiling of what you can earn as a creator and what they needed to do. And this is where I was able to provide value was they needed to shift their mindset from thinking like an artist or a creator to thinking like a business owner. And when, when I realized that that was the transformation that I was going to be able to help people go through, then everything clicked into place. I knew what my niche was. I knew what their desire was. They wanted to make more money. They wanted to have a business that supported their creative work so they could do the stuff they love to do for the rest of their lives. And then it made everything easier. I knew what the subtitle of my book was going to be how five figure creators can build six figure businesses. So it's very clear that like the pro who the product is for and what transformation it will help you go through. It helped with my marketing, my messaging, my content, the initial conversations I had with people, they now had context of who I was and what I was doing and what I was aiming to help people with. 
everything becomes so much easier when you take the time early on to define your niche. And again, using psychographics, not demographics. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So actually, uh, um, I guess the, the first um, who talked about that, um, I guess, was uh, Andre Chapron on Tiny Little Businesses, right? Where he has mm-hmm. like this drawing about, you know, the psychographics and, and that kind of stuff. So this, this is quite interesting. But I think that the, the tricky part here is, let's say you've identified the audience that you want to serve. And obviously, like for you, it was kind of a, um, kind of a um, quote unquote standard desire, make more money. Like, like I don't think there is any human on earth who doesn't want to make more money. So how did you really hone in on, well, this is like their specific pain point. And um, yeah, and then actually finding a solution to it, maybe like the quote unquote easier part, but how did you actually know, knew that? Well, this is the exact problem I I want to focus on. Did you get any market feedback? Did you've done any market research or how did you approach that? Well, I did have the benefit of doing this work for, you know, 12 years at that point. So there were a lot of signals over the years of like Mm -hmm. who I was talking to. I mean, I was going to lunch once or twice a week with my creative and artistic friends just for fun. And we would have conversations around this stuff. Like I'm very much a strategic brained person. So I kind of split the line, like I'm equal parts left and right brained. So I can do creative work, but I'm not pure creative. And I can also like get really jazzed about spreadsheets and formulas and tracking and optimization and systemization and stuff. And that's, I think kind of unique. Most people kind of, you know, lean more one way to the, or the other. And so I just had this sense that over a decade plus of doing this work, that that was what people were coming to me for. When we would go to lunch, we would talk about business and they would ask me about strategy. And I loved talking about it. So I already knew that like, that's what I was good at and that's what I enjoyed doing. But I'm so glad you brought up Andre Chaperone and Tiny Little Businesses because they are my favorite teachers online. I have every one of their courses. I'm part of their system. I'm in their community. I really consider Andre like a mentor, even though we've maybe exchanged emails three or four times. Um, But my entire business is built on email and it's really based on the systems and processes and frameworks that they teach in tiny little businesses. So I highly recommend tiny, tiny go subscribe and go get their courses. But, um, they do teach a lot about doing this work of like, how do you define it's, um, you know, in their, I think their audience and offer masterclass, they go, it's like a two hour masterclass on this very topic, which is how do you define a niche? And you really look at three things. Their jobs, pains, and gains is what they use. And so jobs refers to jobs to be done. What mm-hmm. are the th- what's the thing that people need? What's the outcome that matters in their life? And I'm going to divert just for a second to talk about the craftsman mindset because this is where all this came from for me and why my business is called Craftsman Creative. There's a book called So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport that I read right at like the the moment that all of this stuff changed for me. And in that book, he's talking about doing creative work. And he says, you know, the wrong way to do it is to like find and pursue your passion because 
that doesn't really work. It's proven that it doesn't really work. Instead, he outlines what's, what he calls the craftsman mindset, which is a focus on outcomes first and then reverse engineering to figure out what you like. How do you overlap with that outcome? How are you going to serve people? How are you going to make money? And you kind of reverse engineer it. So for me, the outcome was I want to have a sustainable, resilient, creative enterprise business. And I want to be able to do feature films once or twice a year on the side, <laughs> or I don't know which one you consider on the side at this point. They both are kind of full-time passions of mine, but the passion comes later. You start with the outcome and you work your way back. So getting back to jobs to be done, that's what they're talking about. Like, what is the outcome that this audience cares about? And you want to find maybe one, two, or three outcomes. So for me, it was five-figure creator to six-figure business owner. People wanted to make a little bit more money. They wanted to have a more resilient or what they call durable business. And they wanted to have fulfillment in their creative life, doing what they love. Okay, I figured out jobs. Now, what are their pains? What are the frustrations? Well, everything I try doesn't work. Um, whenever I try social media, it, it just fails and flops and it doesn't work. I've tried paid ads and I, and it sucked and I wasted 500 bucks and it didn't work. Um, I tried find, going after bigger clients. It didn't work. So like you can identify the pain points, the frustrations, and you start by going, well, what, what were the frustrations in my own life? Well, it sucked to have clients that I didn't like working with, but they represented a big chunk of my revenue. Okay. That's a frustration. I could talk about that. How do you overcome that? Cause I did, um, showing up every day and coming up with new content ideas, social media and growing an audience, how to make recurring revenue from an audience of people. Like there's, you could list out a hundred different pain points and then pick the top three or five or 10. And you can also talk to your audience and say, what are you, what's your frustration right now? What are you struggling with? In my welcome sequence that you mentioned earlier, in the very first email, I say, tell me one thing you're struggling with right now and reply to this email and I'll send you a resource or something I've written or something that can help you right now. And probably one out of every 10 people will email me and say, you know, I'm really struggling with content, figuring out how to do this or figuring out with like what to make next or how to grow an audience or whatever. And you compile all those answers and you start understanding what your audience's pain points are. And then the last one is gains. What do they want to gain from working with you? If they give you money, what do they want in exchange? Do they want to make more money? Do they want a better mindset? Do they want a better life balance with work? Like, what is it that they're after? Are they after health or wealth or whatever? So you can look at your audience and kind of divvy up those three things, jobs, pains, and gains. And you can really start to dial in on like what your offer is for that audience. So that comes next. First, you think about who do you want to serve? And then you think about the offer. So you're going to have many offers all over the place. I mean, if you look at my Twitter profile, that's an offer. I teach the mindset, principles, and strategies creators can use to grow their businesses using the lessons learned in my career as a film and TV producer. Okay, if they follow me, I'm going to teach them mindset, principles, and strategies. That's an offer, right? It's a pretty... Uh, low ball, not low ball, but like a, a low cost offer, right? I'm exchanging mindset, principles, strategy, information in exchange for a follow, right? Then there's an offer to join my email list. If you join this email list, I'll send you a free five-day email series on how to master the creator economy. That's an offer. And then at the end of that email series, there's an offer to learn more about 
my book or courses or coaching or consulting or working with me. That's an offer. So each step along the way, you're creating offers based on where people are, what job they want to be done, their pains and their gains, right? Each one of those is a different offer based on a different pain, a different job, a different gain, whatever. You might have a hundred offers out there. And that's when the business starts to emerge where you realize, okay, this audience is resonating with this content and resonating with these offers that are converting better than anything else. And you start building a business around that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So always the, the tricky thing is actually finding on how to tie actually the, the let's say you have a, you've identified a pain point and then actually tie the offer to the pain point and, and actually giving or um, doing what you have to do so that people see you um, the best solution um, or the best option to actually overcome the problem, right? Exactly. So one other thing that's important in all of this is this idea of tension. And I, I wish we were on video or if we were on video, I would show you in my hands, I'm holding a spring. And if yeah. you've ever, um, it, it, it's you've the ever spring that you have in your, that you have picture in your book, right? I do. I have a picture of my book. Yeah. And, and, and then like, like just, just as a side, like just to, <laughs> to show you that I went through the book and then like the caption, you say, don't look at, uh, at how dirty the, the keyboard is. So exactly. yeah, I obviously I didn't notice, I didn't <laughs> notice that the keyboard was, was dirty, but like, <laughs> like by reading the caption, I just took a second look to the keyboard, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still haven't cleaned the keyboard since I took that picture, but, um, if too late, imagine, too late, too late. I know, right? <laughs> if you've ever been on a trampoline, you know, it's surrounded by like 70 springs that connect it to the frame and then the, the center part, right? And these springs, what happens is if you jump on a trampoline, it creates tension. You stretch out the string, the springs, and then they want to resolve. They want to go back to their equilibrium or their stasis of just being co coiled up. And that's what propels you up into the air is that tension being stretched and resolved, increased and decreased over and over again. So I keep that on my desk as a visual because that's literally all I'm trying to do with every piece of content. And I'm not good at it yet. I'm, I will fully admit I have a long way to go, but this is where my focus is. And it's a daily reminder of like, okay, if I'm going to sit down and write a newsletter today, how am I creating tension? And let me just quickly explain kind of what I'm talking about. A lot of people will talk about like pains and pain agitate solve the PAS, right? There's a, mm -hmm. that's a system people will talk about when they're doing copywriting. Well, there's, I don't know. It kind of sucks to write in a way where you're like um, exacerbating people's pain. It feels kind of icky. It feels um, mean and not gross, but like, just um, disrespectful almost like, Hey, you came here to learn something and I'm going to make you feel bad. Uh, I'm going to exacerbate your pain and then I'm going to agitate it and I'm going to make it feel even worse. And then I'm going to solve it. Well, no, I, I just don't agree with that process or that framework or that mindset. So what I prefer to do is create tension. And the way you do that is by deeply understanding where your audience is at right now. And the more that you can kind of, um, highlight the frustrations that they might be experiencing because you've experienced them yourself, all of a sudden they're going, yeah, it does suck 
to not have a big enough audience to launch things to, but they don't feel attacked, right? They're just Mm -hmm. feeling empathized with. They feel like you care and like you get them. And the more clarity and the more specifically you can speak to their current lived experience, that's step one. And then what you're doing is you're showing like the difference. You're showing the 180 degree flip side of things, which is having a big audience or making six figures or having a thriving podcast or whatever the outcome might be. And you're just talking about how great that is, right? You're saying, yeah, when you have a, when you have a six figure business, you're making enough money. You can travel with your family. You can invest in things and put money aside for savings. So you know that if something happens with your car or when your kids go to college, you have the money there. You don't have to freak out about it. You, you, you say goodbye to the low level financial stress that you had every day. And you can just talk about your experience having reached that thing, like having crossed that chasm between like where they are and Mm -hmm. where you are. And you just talk about it in specific terms. And what you're doing is you're creating this tension and you're saying there's a gap between where you are and where you want to be. And then you resolve that by saying, I have a book. I have a mm-hmm. podcast, I have a newsletter, I have a product, I have a course. And the, the more, the better you get at doing that, the more people like will quickly click the buy button because they want to relieve that tension. It's almost like you've pulled back the tension, you've stretched out that spring on the trampoline and it wants to snap back. And that snap back is the process of them saying, I'm going to do something right now to get that outcome because I trust that this person is going to help me get it because it's they've proven that they understand me so well. They know exactly how I feel right now. They know exactly what I want my life to look like. And they just showed me how they went through it and taught five other people to do it. Well, I want to do it too. And it mm-hmm. becomes so much easier. And it's such a better way to position yourself as like a guide or someone that's going to help them as opposed to someone that's agitating their pain. Like, why would I want to hire somebody who's just been mean to me for five emails? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it, re- it remembers me also like some some tension I created, let's say, on on Medium. And I remember like people, like some people, like really we are upset about like this one. This was actually like just for the just for the sake of this call. Um, I created like a bunch of articles about note taking, right? And mm-hmm. the thing is that. Um, on some articles, um, I was just like, you know, talking about the frustration, uh, or talking about the pains and not really about them, but also about me. Right. One of, one of the articles was, uh, like, um, I've wasted 10 years in taking note. Don't be like me. It, it was one of the articles that actually brought me the most sales, but also where I got the most haters were telling me, well, I wasted 10 minutes of, or I wasted two minutes of my, of my day. Don't be like <laughs> me. It's like, don't read, don't read the article. Right. So yeah, I mean, some people are going to, to, to be upset anyways, if you create some tension, but yeah, this is actually what, what it's all about. It's like, you just have to, hi- it's really highlighting the gap, right? So you have this pain or I went through the same pain right now I'm here and I can show you how to cross actually the, 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 the gap that we have here and build actually a bridge. Yeah. Well, here's the other great thing when you do this, when you are specific about where they are right now, you actually turn away the people who you don't want in your ideal audience. It doesn't mean that you never want to serve them, but they will self-identify and go, oh, he's not talking to me. He's talking to someone else. 
they might go, well, I still want to see what they're talking about. Like last night I did a workshop with a photographer that I did a course with last year. And I invited everybody in my audience because I said, look, the principles here are for freelancers, but specifically for photographers. So some people showed up who had never had any interest in photography, but they came away going, wow, I'm really like that strategy he talked about with pricing is a really cool. And I figured out how I can apply it to my business. Other people were like, that's not for me. And so what you're doing is you in the earliest part of like the awareness process that people go through from learning that you exist and then engaging with you by signing up for your email and then buying from you and converting into a customer, that whole process, the earliest stages, you actually want to kind of be very specific in who you're talking to. Otherwise, you're going to end up with this audience of really random, disparate people who are all kind of going, wait, what are you talking about? What's the value here? Why did I sign up for this? Because it's not specific to them anymore. So earlier on in the process with your medium posts, your blog posts, your Twitter stuff, your Instagram posts, whatever it is, you want to be very specific about speaking to this ideal audience of people, your niche, and really turning away the people who are not part of that ideal audience. Because if you make content for everyone, you really are making content from no one because they won't see themselves in that content. The more specific you can be, the more that they will be likely to go through this journey of awareness, engagement, and conversion to become customers and become lifelong true fans of yours. Yeah, exactly. Especially with, with like, you know, all the information that you have today, like, it's you have to be ultra specific. You really have to like your content. Your content really has to, um, you know, grab them by the throat so so that they really understand. Well, this guy is really talking to me. Else, I mean, they have dozens of other newsletters hitting their inboxes. They have yeah. all those other news feeds and and all the kind of stuff. So like, it's just too easy to to just you know switch away from what you have to offer. So yeah, awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, th there is like another thing that, that, that we talked about just before, like pressing the record button. And this is actually something that I wanted to pick your, your, your brain on is that, um, you know, let, la, let's like, I have been creating content now for, um, for over a decade, right? So I started with, you know, blogging, niche sites, e-commerce, I mean, you name it. Like I've done, I've done a lot of things, but it always came down to, to creating content. And um, you like I, I was actually creating content in my in my main language, so in my native language. So I just started creating um, content in English also for about two years ago. So I guess we it was in June 2020. So it was like maybe a little bit two two months after after you. So the thing is that um, I have been you know really bouncing back and forth between actually finding the right audience and really finding the people that I wanted to talk to. And um, like, here is the interesting thing. So what I've done is actually, I, I just found like some traction about when it came to note taking, because I have been um, an avid note taker. I like to learn. I'm curious person, that kind of stuff. And actually found that I wasn't actually getting a lot of value out of my notes. And well, this is when I started, you know, discovering uh, the Zettelcast note-taking method and that kind of stuff. So, well, I just I, I just thought that, well, this may be some uh, something that content creators would also be interested in, right? Because content creators are 
content consumers first, right? So we create based on what we consume. Um, so, well, I had this idea, I started creating content, started creating, getting a lot of traction on Medium. Um, I built an email list of almost 3,000 people in just 90 days, um, got 700 replies to my emails. Like it was, it was like crazy engagement. So there is really like a, a huge market and starring market for that. The problem though, is that the people that I attracted, um, weren't really content creators. And when I talked to creators, I, re- I didn't really identify that this was actually a pain point that they, they were having. So, um, it's kind of, you know, like making a step, like a, a step forward and then taking it out the back. So the course was selling, but I was, I, I found actually attracting the, an audience that I really didn't want to attract. So yeah. So right now it's kind of, you know, um, what should I do? Should I continue on my path or should I just, you know, flip things around? And yeah, I would like actually to, to pick your brain about how did you actually identify your, um, or how did you actually reach your um, five-figure creator audience? Yeah, so I love this. And we can kind of do like a real-time <laughs> workshop here. So the first question for you is what's the outcome? What are you after? What is it that you care about? What are you working towards? What's the destination? For um, on my point of view or when it comes to uh, the people that I want to serve? Uh, for you. For you personally and your business, yeah. So actually, like what I like and what I enjoy doing, and it's and it's even like why do my do I'm, am I actually taking notes and that kind of stuff? It's just because I love being on the journey as a creator, right? I love like building something, um, you know, freedom, all the stuff that we actually talked about. And what I realized when it came to let's say the quote unquote note takers, right? the ninety percent of people that I attracted, is that well. Um, they were just in another world. So they were in a, in a nine to five and, and that kind of stuff. So I really knew that, you know, pursuing this audience um, is not something first that I, that I enjoy, even though like there was some deal uh, that I, I would have been able to, to close some deals, but well, you know, spending my whole life in notion or trying to map out like that, like, you know, a productivity system for a VC firm or that kind of stuff. It's really not something that I want that I, that I would enjoy. So, okay. Like I can sell a one of course, but that will be like the end of the journey. So it's definitely not something that I would be interested in. So, yeah. Yeah. So are you, what's, when I say what's the outcome, are you concerned more with revenue? Are you, uh, trying to reach a certain type of people? Like, what is it that you want your life to look like a year from now that you don't have right now? Well, it's not really that much from from a monetary perspective or financial perspective, because like I have been creating content and, you know, making six figure also in other businesses. So it's not really that much when it comes to revenue. It's more having an impact helping people, you know, and, tr- and and really helping people out, uh, avoid, you know, the burnouts, avoid the health issue that I got of working too much or working in a quote unquote dumb way. So it's really more that, that kind of perspective, of course, like the goal is also to make money, but it's, it's not really the primary concern. The primary concern is really doing something that, that I enjoy doing and sharing stuff that I enjoy sharing. Gotcha. So then the question becomes, okay, what's the best way to get there? If now you know your destination, you know your outcome, does it matter that your audience is kind of a 
you know, a random subset of people and not consistently just one type of creator? Um, does it matter that you're serving creators at all? If you have the ability to do what you like for, uh, with your creative work every day, um, you know, then you start kind of reverse engineering the outcome. You know, if you want your life to look this way in a year from now, what are the steps that you need to do? It's almost like saying um, you're you're planning out a, a cross country trip, and now that you've picked a vehicle, you want to you want to use note taking and Zettelkasten and um, being a creator in that regard as your vehicle. Well, what are the where are you going to stop for gas along the way, right? So that you don't get burnout, so you don't get lost, so you don't get stranded on the side of the road. So you're saying this is where I am now. You're in take say Los Angeles, California, and you're taking a road trip to New York, New York. Okay, well you're going to need to stop for gas or to charge your Tesla on the way, right? <laughs> and so what what and you kind of work backwards. You do you want to take the scenic route or do you want the most direct route? Do you want freeways with tolls or with no tolls? Do you want highways or back roads? Do you want to go through the south or just direct shot? Like those are the questions to start asking yourself in regards to your business. And then you just really work your way backwards. And that informs what are you going to do for the next year? What are you going to do over the next quarter? What are you going to do for the next month? What are you going to do this week? What are you going to do today? But if you just start out every day going, all right, today, I feel like doing this. Well, you might end up in Florida instead of New York because you took a completely different direction. You weren't checking your, you weren't doing any sort of like dead reckoning where you were checking your compass and checking that you were on the right freeway. You were just driving every day. Oh, that road looks fun. Let's go that way. You don't want to do that. You want to have your map in front of you, have your plan in front of you. You can adjust course along the way if you choose to, but you can only adjust course if you actually know where you are, where you're going, what direction you're headed, et cetera. So what I always put in front of creators and invite them to do is map it out from biggest vision all the way down to the most specificity like today. But if you start with today, you might end up somewhere you don't want to be. If you start with the big vision of where do you want to get to a year from now, and then you can really start planning what the next 90 days look like. Now, I like saying that a year out is more of a vision than a bunch of goals because goals are really hard to sustain for a year. That's a long time period to sustain one big goal. But if you have a vision for your future and you kind of have an idea of what you want your life to be different, like, or what, how you want your life to be different a year from now, that gives you some clarity. Maybe you want to be making $10,000 a month. Maybe you want to start a business. Maybe you want to have three creative projects under your belt. Maybe you want to present at a conference. Maybe you want to write a book, whatever it might be. So you start with your vision. Then you say, okay, um, I want to have a six-figure business by this time next year. I'm currently making $60,000 a year. I want to be making $100,000 a year. Okay, well, what does the next 90 days look like? What goals do you need to set for the next 90 days that can help you stay on track and keep the direction of that vision, but you can actually sustain a goal for 90 days. That's something that you can tangibly work on every day for 90 days without getting burnt out. And then you can take a little break in between the next round of 90 day goals. So maybe your opportunity now is like, okay, by the end of the next 90 days, I really want to dial in on 
the niche and the audience and the offer that I'm going to put in front of them. That's a good 90 day goal because you're going to have a lot of conversations. You're going to try a lot of experiments with your content and your offers and how you get people onto your email list and how you convert people from awareness to engagement to conversion, right? Maybe you're going to need to create some new products that could be six months out or nine months out. And that's going to be the thing that takes you from 60 to hundred a year, for example, but you need to start like we were talking about with the niche and with your audience and their pains, gains and jobs, right? So that's 90 days. You're going to define your niche and your audience and your offer. Okay. Well, what do you need to do this month? All right, this month I'm going to uh, run an experiment. I'm going to, you know, drive traffic to my website and spend 500 bucks this month to get people to my website to see if the messaging works out. That's an example, right? Or I'm going to dedicate a month worth of really intense effort on one social media platform specifically to see if I can um, get more people of this ideal audience onto my email list, right? So now you're almost into experimentation mode. And over the next month, you can really map that out in a lot of clarity. This week, I'm going to do this. Next week, that. Third week, this. Fourth week, this. You got the next four weeks you're going to map out in kind of vague detail This week, I'm going to experiment here. I'm going to do Twitter. I'm going to do email. I'm going to do offer. I'm going to do whatever. Then that informs what you're doing this week and what you're doing today, right? So you just work it down in, you kind of chunk in smaller, smaller chunks. And you go from a year vision to a 90-day goals to monthly uh, activities and processes and frameworks that you're going to, and experiments into weekly activities and daily activities. That's how I would approach it. That's how I run my business. I'm constantly thinking of the next 90 days. Every month I'm revisiting my 90 day goals that I currently have set and I'm setting new 90 day goals because they kind of overlap. Instead of doing three months chunks and then a new three month chunk, I kind of have, I start a new project or add a new 90 day goal every month so that I constantly have, instead of this ebb and flow, I have a constant progress towards the, the vision I have for myself and my business over the next year. That was a mouthful, but yeah, that's the, that's literally how I run my business and how I've managed to get from where I was a year ago to where I am today, which is, you know, um, just crossed 2000 email subscribers, basically from a thousand. So I doubled that in a year. I've nearly doubled my Twitter following in a year, but I've also made tens of thousands of dollars as a creative entrepreneur with this creative enterprise starting in August, like I've already done 20, 30 something thousand dollars in sales from books and community and consulting and things like that, that came from this vehicle of writing a book. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's awesome. So like, I'm I'm totally like, I'm doing the same stuff when it comes to, let's say the 90 days challenge, because it's kind of, it's kind of a sweet spot. It's not too far and, and also like not too near. So, well, you can still get some momentum. So I totally agree with that. And like, Maybe it didn't um, actually, uh, um, it wasn't clear, but like f- on my side, like even w- when I, when I started with the, with this note taking stuff, like on my side, it was clear, like who, who, who I was targeting. Right. So even let's say on the landing pages that I, that I set up and on the offers, everything like was geared towards content creators. It's just like, you know, um, the people that I, that I started to attract when actually the, the people that I was actually looking for. So of course you had some content creators within the, the people who actually signed up and then bought the courses and that kind of stuff, but it's not the, the, the majority. So I'm feeling right now, I just, I'm just starting again from scratch. So 
um, I've started a lot of things from from scratch over the years, so it's not like really kind of a kind of an issue. But it like it's like I had some 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 issues actually identifying exactly where actually my audience hangs out because mm. I'm not too much kind of a social media guy. Um, I really don't enjoy social media. I, I mean, I'm just here on uh, on Twitter, just you know, just to reach out and to you know, meet interesting creators, but not really for using it as a as a lead gen kind of engine. I'm more like the kind of guy who just writes his his post and, you know, gets traffic over the years to come. Like, mm-hmm. it's more like my kind of approach. So, uh, yeah, like, I would be interested on how did you actually, like, did you just rely on Twitter and then actually with your uh, building in, building your book in public, uh, kind of stuff, or did you also um, use any other engine or vehicle? Yeah, it was just Twitter. Um, I decided to pick one social media network, and really the reason I picked Twitter is because it's the one I naturally spent the most time on already. Plus, it's a lot easier to link out from there than it is from Instagram, for example, or even YouTube, where it gets buried in the comments or in the description that you that's hidden, right? Um, I also needed something that I could do in very limited amount of time because I was producing movies at the time. So I knew that like if it was medium or if it was YouTube, those are like very time intensive creative outputs, whereas a tweet you could fire off in five seconds and I could schedule a whole week's worth of tweets in an hour. And so I just knew that that was going to be the place. Um, what was hard though, is that like, I felt like I abandoned a lot of the creative friends that I have not abandoned, but left them out because most of them I would say are on Instagram and Facebook. Um, so I have, I had bigger followings on both of those platforms at the time I started this whole process. I think I have the largest following now on Twitter out of all the social media sites. And I'm now figuring out how to use like a virtual assistant and use systems and optimization and scheduling to take content from my newsletter, put it on Twitter, turn that into Instagram and Facebook posts and LinkedIn posts, et cetera. Um, and that's just part of like becoming a growing media company. Right. Um, but initially I knew that I needed to pick one and focus because focus is such an underrated thing when it comes to building creative businesses and to just being a creator, the more that you can focus, the faster things start to compound the more that people kind of take you seriously, because if you're showing up every day on Twitter, people are going, oh, I trust this guy because he's here every day and I see him every day in replies and tweets and giving value. If I showed up once a week on Twitter and once a week on Instagram and once a week on Facebook and once a week on podcasts and once a week on LinkedIn, it's not enough consistency for people to take you seriously. That's my opinion. Um, My personal data lines up there, but not for everybody. Some people can do multiple, multiple things. Um, I I can't. I not right now with the amount of time that I have. So yeah, I chose one and it worked out really well. I've doubled my following. Uh, I'm just starting now to see like growth outside of when I tweet or when people are sharing stuff. People are just following me, which is amazing. So it's working, and my focus is going to be on Twitter probably until I reach 10,000 followers there. And then I'll start thinking about really adding another social media network. But I've got the data to prove that like when I invest in Twitter, uh, the, the results come 
and they're, they just, it, it works. So I get the outcomes that I care about, which is I want, <laughs> I want people to see my stuff and come visit my website and get on my email list. And it, it's working right now. So I'm just going to keep going until either it stops working or it's working enough on its own that I can confidently add a second channel, a third channel, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And like, this is actually quite interesting. Um, it's like, I'm, I'm like you, like I can't focus on 200 things at the same time. So yeah, definitely can, can, can resonate with, uh, with, with what you just said. Yeah. And, um, right now, like, how do you actually, uh, start monetizing or what is your, your actual way to, uh, actually convert, um, your, quote unquote, followers, email subscribers to, uh, to paid customers. Yeah. So step one is to just go help people. <laughs> um, if you know who your niche is, if you know that somebody is clearly in that niche of the people that you care about serving, go help them. Don't wait for them to discover you, join your email list, buy your th stuff. Just reach out and say, Hey, I know I could help you get this outcome. If that's interesting to you, I'd love to chat. And you can do that a hundred times a day and it costs you two hours of your time. And doing that can take you from zero to thousand plus dollars a month on its own, just manually reaching out to people and saying, Hey, I know that I can help you get this outcome that if you care about that outcome, I would love to have a chat. Do you want to hop on a call? Do you want to email? Do you want to whatever? Um, that's what I used to do for my service business when I was a freelancer, solely a freelancer, is when we were getting low on income, I would literally email about 150 different companies and say, hey, we do video work. If you if you have a product launch or a marketing video or whatever, and you want it to upgrade your next one, talk to us. Hop, we can hop on a call here. I would talk to five or 10 people a week and you know, two or three of them would hire us. It's just clockwork. It's a numbers game. And you have to think about in the early stages, especially people do not know you exist. Like I said earlier, you don't have a product or a service problem. You have an awareness problem. A milestone is helpful here. If you don't have a thousand people coming to your website every week, if you're a content creator, you don't have enough awareness. And so you need to manually go get it. And that's the, literally what I'm doing right now. I track every Monday, I hop on my computer and I hop into Fathom Analytics and I go, how many people came to my sites last week? And my average for the year on craftsandcreative.co is 464. And the average on my blog is 275 per week. So my goal is to get both of those to a thousand a week. Now look at the numbers for the last month. Um, this is my website, 497. 811, 1168, 512, 760. So I'm growing because I'm manually doing things that will drive traffic to my website. I'm manually construct, like I'm being conscious about constructing awareness, getting awareness for my brand. I'm doing free workshops. I'm doing podcasts. I'm tweeting more. I'm putting out more content and it's working. I'm getting more people to the website. So what, whether it's visitors to your website or people to a landing page or phone calls or in-person meetings or whatever, whatever it is that you sell or however people engage with you, manually do that until you're getting a meaningful number a week 
for your stuff. If you're like me and you're a creator and you're selling a book and a course and you got a couple of products that range from like 10 bucks to a thousand bucks, you probably want like a thousand people a week coming to your site because at a 1% conversion rate, that's 10 people. And so if you're only selling a $10 product, 10 people times $10 is $100 a week. That's not a business yet. That's a product. That's a side hustle. But 10 people at $1,000 a week, that's 10,000 a week. That's a very meaningful single operator business. My current average order value is $250, right? Um, actually, let me tell you this because I'm looking at my tracker right now. I'll just tell you right now, my my average between all of the different, um, so I have books, courses, community, coaching, and consulting. Those are my revenue streams for Craftsman Creative. Um, last month, for example, um, the, the total, let's see, the average for last month was $492. So for every single person that purchased from me, the average amount was 492. Now, if you take out the consulting, which is a high ticket offer, then the other three revenues, the books, courses, and community, the average is $156. So let's see, I sold, you know, <laughs> I sold 79 new customers last month. I had 71 courses, six books, and two community members, right? There you go. $156 average. If I got 10 people um, a week, that's $1,500 a week. That's meaningful revenue. But I had more than 10. I had 79 in a month, you know, as soon as that's like almost three a day. So, I mean, let's do some quick math. I don't generally like doing public math, but 79 divided by 4.3, because that's how many average weeks are in a month. That's 18 people in a week. So if I've got 18.37 people times $156, that's $2,800 a week, right? Last month, my business did nearly $20,000. So I'm probably doing the math wrong a little bit. But between coaching, consulting, courses, community books, I did $19,448 last month as a solo business owner with a virtual assistant. So it's possible, but you have to start thinking like a business owner. That's all the, the last five minutes is me talking to you as business owner, Darren, not creator, Darren, right? But you have to understand your numbers. You have to know where people are coming from. And it all goes back to awareness. So start by manually helping people go manually figure out how do I get traffic to a website? And then the other short answer is you need to know the full journey that people are going to take. Because if you get people on your email list and then you don't send them emails, well, you're letting them down and you don't have a good system that's working. So you need to work out how do I get people from awareness to engagement, meaning signing up for an email list, following you online, whatever, to conversion? And you need to know what that, that full story, that full um, journey looks like so that you can walk them through it as the guide. Because if, if you open the door to your email list, they walk through and then they fall off a cliff because nothing's there. Well, you just really let them down and you broke their trust. But if you open the door to the email list, they walk through and they see a thriving world of like mazes and jungles and oceans and skyscrapers and all these things. And they have the ability to wander around and choose their own adventure. Do you know how awesome that feels to somebody when they discover that? When they open the door to an email, they sign up for an email list and they enter your world and they go, oh my gosh, where has this been all my life? 
I cannot wait to dive in. Oh, there's an entry fee for this one. And and I get a book that's a $10 entry fee or a $20 entry fee for the book. Think of it like that. They're exploring your world. Well, that looks fun, but it's a $150 entry fee. Well, that course seems really cool. I think it's worth the $150 entry fee. I think this coaching world over here is really cool. Yeah, it's a thousand bucks a month, but man, I can see beyond the gate here that there's a ton of people thriving and having a blast. I want to be like those people on the other side of this gate. So here's my $1,000 a month entry fee. Now they get to open that door to coaching or that door to community or whatever it might be. So you have to, you want to build out at least some of your world before you start opening the door and inviting people in so that they have a chance to explore and become customers of yours. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like like how you really try to, you know, to like how you 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 just framed it. It was uh, awesome. So like w one of the things that I like to 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 talk about, like um, you you just mentioned it uh, quite a few, but it's it's really like um, I feel that a lot of creators have actually a hard time when it comes to. Um, really putting everything together. So putting the acquisition part together, putting the retention part together, and uh, putting the kind of transformation or the selling or the conversion part together. So um, do you have like, um, let's say, any specific kind of, I don't, I don't like to talk about tricks, but, you know, some kind of system in place in order just to be consistent on those three pillars because um well as you told like if you're just working on let's say awareness let's say posting on twitter writing articles or whatever but like not really sending out emails and really trying to build a relationship with the people that just sign up for your newsletter or who just followed you and like even if you miss out less part which is like not coming up with offers and pre and like putting offers in front of them um then like you're doing something wrong so what is your kind of system in order just to be consistent on those three um those three pillars yeah i mean it really goes back to where i normally start with people which is your mindset are you thinking like a creator or are you thinking like a business owner If you're thinking like a creator, then what you're doing is you're going, shoot, I haven't posted yet today. I need to go post four times on Instagram. So I got to schedule some posts and I got to go create some content. And then the next day you're thinking, shoot, I forgot to send up my newsletter today. I didn't have it scheduled. So I need to write it real quick. And I'm going to spend an hour or two writing my newsletter. And then the next day you're going, shoot, I haven't been on YouTube. I didn't, I didn't edit my video last night. So now I need to do this. And you're constantly chasing this hamster wheel. Like you're on the hamster wheel of trying to chase a carrot that's just out of reach, but you're on a hamster wheel. You're not actually making forward progress. You're just like, you're a hamster in a wheel. You're part of a machine, right? Um, so you got to step off the hamster wheel and you got to think of your business, not as a creator, but as a business owner. Well, what does that mean? Your business is not a sum of all these um, independent parts. It's not YouTube plus Instagram plus Twitter plus blog plus newsletter plus podcast plus 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 plus. It's not just a whole bunch of different siloed things, your products, your content, your all of those things. They're actually parts of a system that are interconnected and have relationships. So when you start neglecting one thing in favor of 
you know, spending more time on something else, that has an effect on your business. If you neglect your email list for a month, you don't send anything out because you're spending the whole month creating a podcast. Well, you just burned the bridge and the trust with all the people that were looking forward to your next email or your next newsletter every Monday. So that doesn't mean you can't do multiple things. It just means that you need to think of it like a business owner and realize that every aspect of your business from marketing and audience building and awareness to sales, to finances, to retention, to conversion, to every aspect of your business is interconnected and there's a relationship there. So turning the dial up on one is going to affect positively or negatively every other aspect of your business that it's connected to. So you got to be able to take a step back as a creator and think, okay, if I'm looking at this as a business owner, where do I need to put my focus? And often what I tell people is to identify the constraints in the business, not think about like what's most fun or what's, um, what's even most pressing, because it may be that you haven't posted on Instagram in a while, but that's not what actually makes your business work. Maybe it's your email, maybe it's your sales, or maybe it's your offer, or maybe something's broken. So when I say identify the constraints, that's a process that you got to go through as a business owner. And I talk about it in my book, but you got to be able to look at your business and go, what's not working that's holding me back, that's limiting my potential, that's limiting my growth. Quick example, when I did this, I realized, my goodness, I'm really good at creating products. I wrote a book, I created a course, I created a community. I've got plenty of products and services. I got five revenue streams. But if nobody knows they exist, then I don't have a business. I'm just a hobbyist. I'm creating products. It's kind of like an artist who just paints on their easel and then puts it in the corner and leaves it there and covers it up and never posts it on Instagram, never shares it with the world, never puts it up for sale, right? That's not a business. That's a hobby. That's a talent. It's a skill, sure, but it's also a hobby compared to a business something you do for fun rather than something you do for profit. <laughs> um, and so you've got to think of your business as a business owner, not just as a creator. And that's really where to start. There's plenty of more like frameworks and principles I could share in the book, but for sake of time, I definitely want to um, point people there rather than keep rambling on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it, it it makes total sense. And on the flip side, you know, it's all about the opportunity cost, right? So, like, you may, you know, think that you need to post on Twitter when, like, you may, it will be better for you just to spend five minutes or 10 minutes on just crafting out, crafting out an email and sending out an email, right? So, it all comes down to actually really understand, like, what's the 80-20, right? And, you know, mm -hmm. like, I... This is why this is what I say all the time. Like say to to my clients, to to people who who take my courses, is that it's actually the most underrated productivity principle out there. So every everyone and their dogs know about the eighty twenty, right? Who didn't heard about the eighty twenty? But what does it actually really mean? Like if you really understand the eighty twenty, then like you should look at your day from an eighty twenty perspective, and you're going to see that there aren't really a lot of things that really move the needle, right? Because what you need at the end is just a way to get people, uh, a way to get eyeballs, right? A, a way to actually um, build trust with those eyeballs 
and then just presenting and, and coming up with an offer. This is like the only thing that you need. You don't need to be on Instagram. You don't need to be on YouTube, on Twitter, on whatsoever. Like you just try to identify and just to stick to something that you enjoy doing and, and, and from which you're going to get results, right? Yeah, you said it perfectly. <laughs> so it's, yeah. So, so the thing is like, like I like, you know, when it comes to all the complicated funnels and like they may have their place at one time or another, but for most people who are actually, for, for most creators, since we're talking to creators who are starting out, you just don't need to overthink the 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 whole stuff, right? And like, yeah, this the, the other thing that, that I wanted to mention when you when you mentioned that you were reaching out to people manually, I think that this is again um, a simple thing, but that most people don't do because, well, we think because we are so smart and we're working we are working on on the internet that well everything is going to work out right our algorithms will push our content or like you know we're just going to get visits like that but truth is when you're just starting off and and just want to get off the ground like you just have to do the work right people people forget that as you told like it's a business it's not it's not it's not a hobby like you're not just working like writing on medium or writing on twitter just for the vanity metrics you still need to have a complete system in place in order that like what you do every day actually transform into cash into your bank account so that you can actually um um come up tomorrow and and just do the do, do the same thing again right yeah Man, you're nailing it. <laughs> Anything that you want to add, obviously, I'm going to link to your book and to your blog and, and to your Twitter account in the show notes. But is there anything that you'd like to to mention before we wrap up this call? Oh, I feel like I said a lot. Um, I would love to connect with anyone who listens to this podcast because this has been a really fun conversation. Um, and you know, just to get really meta here, I go on podcasts to reach more of the people that I want to serve. So if the stuff that I've been sharing today resonates with you and you feel like, man, this guy gets me and I want him to help me get to this next level and reach these outcomes, well, come find me. So reach out, find me on DM. You can just email me, Darren at craftsandcreative.co. Like I want to know who you are and I want to be able to serve you in the way that you need to be served, whether that's through newsletter or podcast or book or community or coaching or whatever it might be. Um, that's what I do this for. And so I'm really, really grateful, Matt, for the opportunity to come on and speak with you and to, you know, get an opportunity to share this stuff that I'm super passionate about. But most importantly, I want to, you know, say hi to the people that are listening and hopefully get to meet them and help them as well. So Thank you for the opportunity to come on and, and speak with your audience today. And I'm really looking forward to connecting more with you over the coming months because you've been such an incredible help. And um, you, like the feedback you've given me on the podcast, on the emails, on the book, everything, you know, it's above and beyond. Uh, you're definitely stand out as someone who's um, given a lot more value um, than most people that join my email list for, so to speak. So I appreciate you a ton. Thanks for the opportunity to come on. And I, I you know, hopefully we'll have many conversations in the future. Perfect. Thank you very much, Darren. Thank you for the kind words and yeah, I wish you all the best. And I'm sure that we're going to talk soon on, on another episode. Awesome. Can't wait. Thanks, Matt. All right. So hope that you've enjoyed this episode with Darren Smith. Definitely a lot of nuggets in this episode. So I would recommend you to go through it multiple times to re 
to really be able to pour out everything you can get out of it throughout your journey. As usual, I'm going to leave all the links in the description. And before wrapping this up, if you are a content creator, if you want to become more productive and actually be able, you know, to crank out content faster or and actually work smarter, then you're going to enjoy also my daily emails. I also leave the link to my newsletter down below. So feel free to sign up. And until then, thank you very much for tuning in. I can't wait to see you in the next episode. And with that being said, take care and bye.